everybody. It's Will. I got Miles with me for this week's NASDAQ Dorsey Rep podcast. We have a hodgepodge of stuff that we want to go over. No particular order, but I say we start out with a shout out to Papa Dow going on, what is it, 13 days? 13 days. If we knock on wood, if we close today, it'll be 14 for the longest streak ever. So 14 consecutive days if we close Thursday, July 27th. In the green, yes. In the green, yes. Because we're already at 13. We're already at 13, so it'd be pretty historic if we got got through today. No kidding. Yeah, I was looking at the Dow chart as I haven't looked at much of this year, to be honest, because you had the NASDAQ and the S&P just looked ridiculous on these huge stems of X's. But I mean, the Dow chart kind of breaking out of that trading range looks half decent. I mean, for 14, what, 13 updates, it hasn't run to the moon, to be right. honest. But looks half look looks half decent. Well, what I'll say is it's really nice and it kind of fits the narrative that we've been going on in terms of increased, you know, upside participation across the board. It's still a laggard year to date, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, right, to sit here and say going on the longest streak ever uh for a laggard in yeah. comparison to the S P five hundred and Nasdaq so far this year. Yeah. Good to see that upside participation for yeah for the Dow. I'm sorry, I've taken a moment. Um pineapple waterloo, sparkling water. Not a good choice. Well, there goes our sponsorship. <laughs> if somebody feels strongly, you can tell me, but not a good choice. Anyways, yeah, yes, good good point. And to talk about the like catch-up trade where Dow catching up, small caps have been catching up. They've still been outperforming their large cap peers. Something that we'd like to see, broadening participation, et cetera, et cetera. I think Joseph was going to talk about that a, a little bit today in his fund score piece. Seeing like that that equity core reading for like the large cap U.S. market is so high, typically around these points where you see some some broadening and score. So that's good. Some other things that I think we can jump off of just like if you look over the past month, so over the past thirty days, performance trends: crude oil up fourteen percent, broad commodities up seven percent or so. A lot of that's come in the past week or two on some supply concerns. NASDAQ composite up 6%, S&P up 5.5%, Dow's right there up about 5.5% as well. I think banks were up like 20% in the past. Over the last month, right? Yeah, over over the past 30 days, over the past month, banks like KBE, KRE, you know, big banks, regional banks, both up considerably. It's becoming tough to find a a down area for the market. It's been it's been a lot of green. And what I'll say is that's a lot of areas that you just mentioned, banks, commodities, especially a couple I'll kind of focus on that you just said. Those have been some areas which have struggled recently. So some laggards throughout the rest of the year over the last 30 days. Again, we just talked about the Dow for, for a, a moment yeah. there to start the podcast. We're seeing a lot of these laggards start to pick up across the board. What, what are your thoughts, good or bad on that? A nightmare for momentum yeah. continues. I mean, just your best performing areas in 22 have and the worst in 23. And then that's kind of continued. Then we'll, when momentum finally caught up to some of the large cap, mega cap growth, you get small caps picking up and you get maybe value mean reverting a little bit as well. So yeah, my thoughts are just a nightmare for momentum and trend following. Yeah, I guess the saving grace on this one, and again, knock on wood, right, is that tech or kind of those large cap names haven't slowed down quite yet, right? 20, uh, like the, at the beginning of the year, um, when tech really did start to pick up, that's when momentum really struggled, right? Because yeah. it was, we wrote a feature on it, yeah. um, but that's when tech was kind of at its lowest allocation, right? And so now at this point, although you've got laggard kind of bounces that we're seeing, at least we're not kind of twisting the knife with underperformance from the leaders. 
True, and honestly, earnings overall have been a pretty big catalyst yeah. for tech. I mean, we were talking about some, but before we came on, the meta chart looks absurd. Yeah, that's what is that up now? It's like of a hundred percent this year. One hundred and fifty. One hundred. Not even including today's action. Yeah, and it's up another five percent today. Yeah, can you believe it started the year? Started the year at around like one hundred and twenty, I think yeah. it was, and now we're on. Uh, what is it now? It's like six or seven consecutive buy signals with today's action it's back incredible. up at the top of the trading band. Though. I mean, that's like Alphabet too was up yeah. big after their earnings. And th- these are big companies to be jumping five and 6% a day. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft was down, I know, but that chart still doesn't look half bad to me. It still looks pretty healthy. Right. And, and, I, and I think Ian put it really well the other day. He said that Microsoft lost the day, not necessarily the war quite yet because, um, Google mentioned a bunch of good stuff about their kind of cloud. Uh, I think they mentioned cloud or AI mm-hmm. based stuff. I think it was like 80 times yeah. in their earnings call. I saw yeah. some stat. So seems like they're doing pretty well on that front. Also talking about Meta and, and Google seemed like ad revenue across the board was pretty strong. It's a little bit more fundamental, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, yeah, I know <laughs> Gary, um, but nonetheless, good to see those, those, those stocks participating, leading the tech of sector or tech tilted areas mm-hmm. higher yeah as well and looking at these charts too i mean this is more of an anecdotal statement but i think it checks out in terms of investor behavior your best opportunities to purchase are typically never when you would feel most comfortable right right so you you look at something like meta last year or alphabet last year that were just getting crushed or i don't think they crushed but not doing well the charts didn't look good the fundamentals didn't look good outlook didn't look good and it turns out that was like one of the best times to buy the companies. Right. But then on the other side, there's countless times this year where we've talked about, oh, Meta's overbought, Google's overbought, the indices keep going up, whatever. Like you, you're not comfortable buying there either. You're not comfortable buying when the market's running up and you're also not comfortable buying when things are completely selling off. Because I, so either way, um, there's there's opportunity to be made, I guess, is, is my point is like, investing shouldn't be super comfortable and like your best investments you shouldn't be fully convinced on that you're getting them at the exact right time right exactly and you know that kind of reinforces the old saying is that when you either are sitting there waiting for a pullback and one never comes possibly the best course of action for some of these technical technically acceptable names or really just strong household names that you look at dollar cost average into them i mean you know i'm, I'm yeah. even even though meta and, and google google's still more actionable but I mean, Meta in general is pretty overbought at, at current levels. Don't think it's just a bad opportunity to to continue to kind of load in over the next course of the next couple of weeks. See what see what happens. I mean, it could could run up another one hundred and fifty percent by the you know whatever it is. Kind of take what the market gives you. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I mean, we we've had some other kind of changes on our platform and on our indicators that we thought it was worth talking about today. We talked about international equities a bit. If you followed our report, we saw. I think this is over the past week, right? Domestic edged out international equities. Yes. Yeah. So we have this thing called Dolly. I'm sure some are probably familiar. It's that dynamic asset level investing and measures six asset classes and their relative price strength, which means that we need to see the asset classes that are performing the best to rank the highest. International equities fell to second. Domestic equities moved back to first. And you've been looking at some like emerging developed type of international stuff for your piece today. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll stop you there because you said that internationals fell to second. I would say that domestic equities finally earned the number one spot, right? It's because when you look at kind of the signal history and perhaps we can kind of 
put that signal history on yeah. the screen for you here. It's not that international equities is rolling over, right? I mean, we've still got that kind of tailwind as the U.S. dollar continues to kind of have a technical breakdown per se. That's good for the equity space in general, more specifically internationals as well. But, you know, domestic equities have finally earned or maintained their relative strength long enough to, to move into the number one position. But I digress. I was doing some, some looking at the spread in between uh, developed markets and international markets. Throughout 2023, developed markets have really held their own. Uh, there's been an area that's kind of flexed its muscles uh, against emerging markets. So I was curious, okay, hey, with recent action since the beginning of July, emerging markets, specifically representative EFA, printed, uh, or excuse me, EEM for emerging markets, mm -hmm. um, printed a second consecutive buy signal, has seen its fund score increase pretty nicely, outperformed both the S&P 500 and EFA, which is the developed markets representative. And one thing that we typically use is a performance spread. So also ran a rolling six-month performance spread um, in, in to see, you know, kind of EFA versus EEM performance. And it seems like, as you can probably see from this chart we're, we're throwing on the screen right now, there seems to be a, a kind of a cap around a 15% outperformance in favor of EFA. So that was a lot of words, but it seems like- <laughs> If you were to like, summarize that. Yeah, if it, I were to summarize sense. it, developed markets might be in, 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 in store for a bit of underperformance to emerging okay. markets if history has anything to say about it. Based off the performance spreads. Yes. Yeah. And those have been pretty good, honestly, over the past couple of years, like 2022, 2023, in fact, for a lot of areas. Those have been decent. There's been a good mean reversion signaled by those spreads. Some too, and you were talking about like the dollar being a nice tailwind for international. It's typically a tailwind for commodities too, but lately that hasn't been as much the case. Like the dollar's been falling and commodities have been generally underperforming or falling. And then last year, commodities were going up and the U.S. dollar was going up. So a bit of an anomaly with the U.S. dollar. I don't know if that's because we're in a bit of a different regime. I don't, I don't really know what the full attribution is there, but that's a place that I would expect at some point to return to normal. I don't know if the U.S. dollar grows up, commodities keep going down, or you actually get some commodities picking up and then the, the U.S. dollar weakening. Commodities have, have had a good week. Like I said, I don't know if we can see that really stick out yet. Like precious metals, I think, are near some type of ceiling. Like gold is near multi-year highs. Crude oil has got a ton of resistance nearby. Agriculture stuff maybe have some more, more room to run. I know there's some at all-time highs right now, but it seems not very broad right now. I, I don't know if there's a lot of tailwinds right now for commodities. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know how long we've been talking, but probably long enough that do we want to go to our, our conclusion about a chart that you wanted to share with the people, chart I want to share with the people? Yes. Yeah, we All can right. we, we can kind of do that and, and wrap up there. I yeah. told Will before, I was like, oh, are we gonna, what are we going to do for our kind of chart of the week? And I said, I'm, mine's going to be one that's kind of, as for lack of better words, put the team on its back over kind of the last week or so. And my chart's going to be Boeing. Um, you might say that I'm looking at, you know, some of the big tech names we talked about previously, We're talking about Boeing, one of the members of the Dow, which as we opened up the call with, seen a nice historic run. Boeing, while they still uh, on some recent earnings results, had some really strong cash flows on some deliveries of their planes. Industrials have been a strong group, really, throughout the course of the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. Boeing itself on three consecutive buy signals has run up. 
into slightly over overbought territory, but none of the less. Yeah, exactly. Like everything else, but yeah. nonetheless, right. It's kind of a name that you look towards and you look at the Dow and you say, Hey, you know, this is one of the reasons why. So. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. I was looking at the chart too, going back. That is a nice little break out of a trading range that it's been in. looks like you're even above the January 2022 highs, which I think is pretty notable. Yeah, that's a good find. The one I wanted to throw out to the people was sentiment-based, the AAII numbers. So some, if you want to measure like kind of retail individual investor sentiment, the bull bear spread, so the percentage of respondents that are bullish on the market for the next six months, subtracting the percentage that are bearish, that's at like 28% on the chart level, which is high at your highest level since 21. And if you look back at the chart over the past five to 10 years, it typically doesn't get much higher than this. So that would be my my kind of concern is that too many people get on one side of the boat. Everyone can't find a reason to sell. And then we know typically that's some type of intermediate term top for, for the market. That's not to say that we have to go down substantially, but it does seem like some ex exhaustion could be coming in in terms of euphoria and people coming back into the market and being excited about it. So that would be if if I were to point to one thing that would be a bit concerning again is the is the euphoria. Granted, these these surveys and I wrote a piece about this. These these surveys take them with a grain of salt because you have a lot of response bias. You have you have some some sampling bias in there. There's always the question of why would smart money be telling the rest of the market what what they're doing. Um, there there there's also the the whole notion of people do and say different things. So people may say they're bullish, but they're not buying. Right. They act a different they, way. They act yeah. a different way. So so there's a lot of ways that these could be skewed in reality. But in aggregate, I would I would keep an eye on any gauge that you can get of of sentiment from becoming too overstretched. Because for the market to function and for healthy bull markets, you you need both parties. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree with you. I think that's something certainly to watch. We were talking before we started recording about how bad this week, or I won't say bad, but how important this week was i mean we we had fed meeting we had all these earnings we had gdp in this morning we've got apple next week let's not even start talking yeah, about that yeah. but i mean you know this week could have gone a lot worse than it did can i say that yeah i i think that's fair i mean there is a lot more potential to the downside given that the market's run already so right. far this year and it's had some high expectations and it seems like those have been met right exactly so watch out because this week Let's see if I can put this right. This week didn't do much to dissuade those that bullish sentiment, right? Seems to be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a good period for yeah. the for the conversation. Well, cool. You got anything else? No, I got nothing. You're gonna go see uh, um, any movies this weekend? Barbie? Barbenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I say so. We we did see Oppenheimer on Monday night. I'm not a movie critic, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'm glad. Cassie loved it. Comcast, parent company at Universal, up 6% today. Got to throw that in there. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet, right? I have not. That's shocking because you're such a movie guy. I know. I am I will be going this weekend. So maybe next week By I'll yourself? have my own review. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Share with the pod. I shall. What do you think? All right, everybody. We, we thanks for the time per usual. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.